quiet as snow. We're here today because of that flow. We got to pray this morning all because of that flow of that precious blood. All because of his love for us. Yesterday we had the wonderful privilege of marrying off. I guess that's a privilege, ain't it, Brother Eddie? He's your grandson. Little Kevin. He ain't so little no more. He's now hitched. And it's for life, right? That's what I spent a lot of time talking to him about. It's for life. And marriage is a covenant not only between the man and the woman, but it's also with God. It's a three-way deal, and if you want out, you got to get approval from the other two. It's got to be 100%. I'll let you know where God stands. He ain't for it. So, you want to pray amiss? God, should I divorce sweetie? The answer would be no. I didn't want to use y'all's name. Me and sweetie's fine. We're fine. We got a new baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. But there's so much more prayer we get to do. We get to pray for Sister Jeannie Carson. She's had a rough way to go this winter. For a while, actually. Lift her up in prayer. Pain in her body. Pain in her spirit. Lift her up. Do you believe God can make a difference? If that's the case, then we was bellowing to the top of our lungs to let him know we believe this. We believe this, and I know that he can. We've had those testimonies this morning. But I wanted to save this one until we got ready to preach. certain young lady in this church, she sits back here beside a Wesley. That would be his wife, Loretta. You know she found out that she had rectal cancer. She's been going in for treatments. She's not with him this morning, but it ain't because that she's sick. She's got some new puppies she's nursing. She didn't have the puppies. She's got a dog that has the puppies. And she got word this week that when they did the test, they don't see anything. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's right. He deserves all the praise we can give him because he heard us. He heard us from heaven. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Yeah, he gets the glory. And you know what? That just steps up your prayer game a little bit, don't it? Now, they're still going to do some testing and things like You know how doctors are, and, and rightfully so. We want to make sure, but they don't see it. Our God is able. He is so able. I've got a personal request. Pray for, pray for, pray for sweetie. She, she don't share a whole lot, and I'm not either, but just pray for her. Okay, we have a need that the Lord needs to look into. But this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. What is too hard for God? That was quick, fellas, and that's exactly what I wrote down, nothing. With God, all things are possible. See these? Anybody know what those are? 
you don't act right this morning, we're going to be putting them on you. <laughs> Amen's at the right appointed time, praising God at the right appointed time. No, I'm kidding. I haven't had these things out since January the 26th, 2011. Probably the last time I put them on somebody. I think I was supposed to turn these in, actually, but I didn't. <laughs> they didn't ask, and I didn't buy them, and they're kind of obsolete anyway. They've been on a lot of people. But I want to talk to you in the morning, this morning about what these things can do. They can take one of the biggest fellows in the room, and if you can get him some dude and get these things on him, you got a big advantage. Because now he ain't so powerful. Or she ain't so powerful. I've fought with some pretty hefty ladies before. And I don't mean I don't mean it like that. I'm talking about they were mean. They can hold their own, and I was afraid of them. I actually tased a lady one time. Yes, I did. I'm not ashamed of it. If I hadn't used... If I hadn't used the taser, I might be in jail myself, but that's another story for another time. God loves me. He's grown me through it, and he was with me then and helped me make the right decision. But the point is, these things here can subdue. Boy, we need some use of these in our nation today, don't we? About 100 and some people up on 12th and K Streets in Washington, D.C. at the day of the inauguration. I think they used them on some, but they could have used it on the rest of them as far as I was concerned. Don't want to live here, get on the plane and leave. And you want to know something, all the money that we can save by having to deal with them idiots, and I call them what it is. If you don't like the word idiot, see me after church, we'll discuss it. <laughs> but you know what? We can save a whole lot of money if we get a bunch of them. We go ahead and pay for the tickets and say, go on, we're going to buy your visa for you too. When you get there, just get blend in with the crowd, you'll be illegal too. Now, I'm not putting that at any one group. I'm talking about if you don't want to live in America, don't stay. I'll go even further. If you don't want to know who Jesus Christ is, you're going to be wearing some of these, and I'm not saying we've got to lock you up for it. We're not going to pose, impose our will on nobody. Jesus never did. But I'm telling you what, it's that kind of thinking happens when Christ is not in people's hearts. It's never been taught to the children and they grow up and they have 411 different ways of thinking because of these. These are bonds, folks. You understand that? That's what they are. They are handcuffs, but they're used to bound people, and they're bonds. I'm going to start off with Jeremiah. We're going to go somewhere this morning, and we're going to end up at another place, but uh, we're going to start out in Jeremiah 32 and 17 this morning. I still ain't thought that other thing I was going to tell you all about when I was up here earlier, so. It must have not been important. Oh, y'all forgive me just for a second. I'm unprepared. Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Everybody say that. There is nothing too hard for you. Remember that. There ain't nothing that you can ask God about that he is too hard for him. Our sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. Not sure how they figured that out, but 
I'll go with it. It's about 800,000 miles in diameter or width if you were able to draw a line on it. It's 2,713,406 miles around. So if you started at one point on the sun and went all the way around it, it's 2,713,406 miles. Now it's only 24,901 miles around the earth. If you went down to the equator and worked your way around, that's how far it is. You're saying, why are you giving us this for? Well, maybe you can pass your science test. <laughs> you would have to go around the earth 109 times to be the equivalent of going around the sun once. 109 times. You would have to go around the earth 3,735 times to be equivalent to traveling the same distance of reaching the sun from here. Now, that's huge, isn't it? If the sun was hollow, it would, could hold one million earths. It's big. Wouldn't you say that's big? But there's millions and maybe even billions of suns in the galaxy, and guess what? Our sun is considered a minor star. That's pretty amazing. If you've ever seen what the Hubble, Hubble telescope can do, we went to NASA one time, we was down for the uh, assembly, and we went out there, and they've got this big IMAX screen up, and you get to see all these pictures, and I'm telling you, the heavens are absolutely beautiful. Nobody's ever saw it until we had the technology, which God gave us, by the way, to build and to send, get the pictures, get them back, and be able to see the beauty that is in the heavens. God knew it all along. It's amazing. He just spoke all of that into existence. That's how powerful God is. He spoke it all into existence. Isaiah 40 and 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Not only does he know how many there are, we're guessing that there are millions or billions because we haven't seen to the edge of, of space. We just don't have the capability. But God does. Spoke it all into existence. Knows everything about it. Knows where they're all placed. Everything is orbiting or it's traveling through space how it's supposed to be. At its given time, it's not off a little second here or a little second there. It is on time. It's all happening just right. And guess what? God knows the names of every one of them. That's a lot of wisdom. That's a lot of knowledge, isn't it? But here's, catch this. He knows every one of you by name, too. Everybody in this world, he knows them. Intimately, he knows us. We may not know him intimately. We should be striving to be there, but he knows. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows all that, Brother Murphy. <laughs> he already knows they're falling out. He knows which ones you're losing tomorrow. He probably got them named. Come here, Fred. Come here, Harry. <laughs> Not, pardon the pun, but 
Uh, but he knows what we have. He knows all about it. That is the infinites of God. We've shared some prayer requests this morning of the infinites of God, of what he has done. Thank you so much. Oh, oh. Somebody give her a hand while I open this up. But nothing, none are missing. Everything is where it's supposed to be. Genesis 18 and 14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time, to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. This is God talking to Abraham. She's in her 80s. She's past having babies. God says, guess what? She's having a baby. Now, would you, can you imagine this kind of stuff that goes on? If we had it today, we know the Bible story, but if God came to you and you're like 80 and said you're having a baby, what would be your response? Would you laugh at him like Sarah did? Would you rejoice? I hear all this laughing, ain't no rejoicing coming out here. Because God said, this is what my will is. And he said, is there anything too hard for me? He shows us these things time and again that there is nothing too hard for God. Every prayer that we pray, it's going to him and he can answer it. Now, he may not answer the way we want him, but he can answer it. And so let, let's just remember that. There's no promise too hard for God to keep. There are over 30,000 promises in the Word of God. Can I tell you something? Those promises will come to pass. Do you know all of them? He knows all the billions of stars. Do we know his 30,000 plus promises? Well, we got a Bible. Why don't we? That's a good question, isn't it, Ken? Because Ken can't tell you neither, so I'm preaching to me too, okay? I can't tell you all those promises that are in there, but I do know this. It's in his word. If he says it, it's happening. We ain't going to change it. We ain't going to be able to do anything about it. In Titus 1 and 2 it says, In hope of eternal, which, uh, of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So if you find the promises in the Bible, understand this, it's going to come to pass. Why? Because God cannot lie. Now that's the infinites of God. He is infinite. There is no prayer that is too hard for God to answer. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. All we got to do is call on him. We talked last week pretty much about prayer and I think it's where we're at this week kind of a little bit. We talked about uh, we can call on him and a part of the problem is not so much unanswered prayer. Many times it's unasked prayer. We just don't think we should bother God with it. Ask him what kind of socks you should wear, what color your socks should be, wherever you go at. That's okay. Have that conversation with God. I have it with Sweetie because I don't know. I would have like different colored socks on and I wouldn't match at all. That's where I go to her. They, I was in a uniform my whole life, so I didn't have to pick nothing out, so I don't have that fashion eye. So it's okay to ask God. So when she's at her mom's or something, and you know, I'm like, all right, God, I get nervous. I get sweaty. What do I wear? How am I supposed to match this up? And 
I usually just stick with dark, white, and kid a tie, it works. You don't mess it up, I don't think. But we have our problems, and we, ca we categorize them in major and minor problems. Don't we? You know, Brother Danny, you, you're dying, and, and you've got this bad disease. Now, to me, that might be minor. It should be major, because it's major to you and your family. Well, I'm going to pray for you. But when it comes into my house, into my body, into my life, now it's major. And we distinguish whether or not we should bother God with it or not or whether we shouldn't. The problem lies within us that we decide. If we have a request, we make it known to him. We take it to him. In Matthew 21 and 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. And we talked last week about asking, seeking, and knocking. Asking is, Lord, I want this, I need this, and you get the answer. The answer doesn't come. Many times it's where a lot of us stop. Now he says to seek. And if you're seeking, then that means we're getting to the place that now our prayer may actually change. James says we can pray amiss so our prayer may actually change and what we're doing now is we're seeking God because now his will will start coming into our lives he will make us see things through his eyes once we get to that place and if you never get past that place you, you're the one that's going to tell God what to do I just know that's how it's done and you've been praying it for two or three years or 40 years and it ain't come to pass can I let you in on a secret honey it's not God's will So now it's time for us to bend because he will never yield. He will never bend. He'll never tell a lie. His will is his will. It's our place to get on board with him. And so he tells us to ask. And if we believe, we will receive. There's no problem too hard for God to solve. You know what? That's what he specializes in, impossible things. That's how we know that he's God, right? I woke up this morning. The sun came up this morning. I was breathing in and out. I did what I had to. I got here. The clouds are going by. The sun's shooting across the sky. I don't pray about that. But he's there, and he's taking care of business. He is there, and, and he specializes in the impossible. When we got a sickness, we can call on him. When we got something in the Word, we don't get it, and we know we need to get it. Or maybe somebody's told us this, and somebody else has told us this. Can I tell you what? There's only one truth. Somebody ain't right. Maybe both of them ain't right. And so we have to call on God, and that's what he will, he will take us to the place that we get to know who he is. We get to know what the word is. And whenever you get some truth up in you, guess what starts coming off? Those bonds. Our God. Isaiah 58 and 8. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways. No, your ways, my ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, he may not do it the way that me and you want him to do it. And he may not do it within the time frame that we want him to do it. But he'll, he'll do what he's going to do. Sometimes he tells us no. I want you to think back about the Apostle Paul. 
Now, here's a fellow that knew the word. Man, this guy, he was educated. He knew the word, but he didn't know Jesus. Knew who he was, but he didn't have Jesus right here. See, that's everything. A lot of people know about Jesus. A lot of people say, well, I believe he was there. I believe he was real, but he ain't Lord of their heart. You see, when, when he's Lord of your heart, your life starts changing. I don't care how good you are or think you are, when he is Lord of your heart, things start to change. Things that you never believed could change before will start to change when he's your Lord. And we have to submit ourselves to allow him to do that. You see, he knows everything. We, don't, we, don't, we can't comprehend what he's doing, but we have Paul here. He is wrecking havoc on the church. Killing people, getting them thrown into prison, doing all this. Now, the Bible doesn't say it, and I've told you before, if the Bible don't talk about it, don't expound on it. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Living in, and knowing how man is. I can just see those Christians praying to God, God get him. Take care of him, kill him, do something. But you got to get rid of him. He, we're afraid. We're scared. God said no. I really believe those prayers were there. People were hiding from him. Maybe they, maybe they were super spiritual and said, Lord, save this man. We'd just love to have him. But we know what God did, don't we? We wouldn't be reading much of the New Testament today if it hadn't been for Paul using the ink pen. God was saying, here, write this down. So prayer makes a difference. And there's no problem that God can't solve. There's nothing that he can't do. God saved Paul. Paul became somebody that we all look up to and we got a lot of scriptures to look at. There's no person too hard for God to save. Can I tell you that again? There is no person too hard for God to save. He is not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish, Brother Murphy. We don't get to decide who gets to be saved. We don't get to decide who's clean enough. We don't get to decide who's rich enough. We don't get to decide any of those things. Only thing we do is we say, yes, Lord. He says, go over here. I don't want to go over there. He says, but I need you to go here. And friend, let me tell you something. Whenever you don't listen to God, you just put some bonds on. Because you just handcuffed him. I'm going to get there in just a second. But he says, I've got this job for you to do and nobody else. And you're not going to grow, and I'm not going to let you grow until we get there. Everybody agree with that? Because this life we live and the work that's being done, he's wanting us to do it together. Now, he's not willing that any should, be, should perish. Anyone can be saved if they will come. That's the key. If they will come, if they will listen to what he has to say. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's a promise. That's in the word of God. And it's up to you and me to say, all right, I believe that. I'm going to have that, take that by faith. I'm going to let that be applied to my life. And you know what? Life changes. But man can limit God's power, the creator of everything that we've just talked about. Do you know how powerful you are? 
you can limit his power. Anybody want to say amen before I get into it? Because you will in a minute. You can limit God's power. We can handcuff God. <laughs> Psalm 78 and 41. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. He's all-powerful, yet he allows us to bind him. He allows, he, you know, come here, Danny. God, but in the, the process of handcuffing God, we handcuff ourselves. Just lean on back there and relax, man. What do you mean? Does it hurt? Yeah. Are you uncomfortable? Do you want me to let you loose? Do you want me to let you loose? Well, come here. break you, I promise. It don't, won't Brother Jeff. It will break you. That was an example of showing what being bound is like. Y'all can see by his wrist it wasn't fun and I didn't have them all tight but they was things he was limited to be able to do. I was hoping he'd make it for 10 minutes anyway and then <laughs> asked me to come out but <laughs> but the point is is this we can handcuff God, and in doing so, we cause ourselves to get to some bad places. Matthew 27 and 1. And when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people 
plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. Our Lord was bound. Creator of all things was bound by some men. Think about this. He's in the garden and they come to get him. Of course, the scripture has to be fulfilled. The Bible tells us on down there a little bit. But he basically said, go ahead, put them on me. I got, I, I got to go. Now, old Peter, you know, Mr. Peter, he knows how God ought to be doing everything. You know anybody like that? They already know how God should be doing everything. Thank God they ain't God because we thought Barack Obama was bad. Yeah, I went there. Peter pulls out his sword. Jesus said, put that thing away. You're going to live by that, you're going to die by that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Don't you know that I have 12 legions of angels that I can call down at any moment? 12 legions of angels I can call down at any moment. That's 144,000 angels. I did the math on this. Back in the Old Testament, we saw that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. Now, you do the math on that. That comes out to 13,750,000,000 people that 144,000 angels can take care of. There's only 7 billion on the face of the earth right now. Our Lord had all of that at his disposal, but he had a job to do. He had something he had to do, and that's exactly where he headed to. He didn't allow that to stop. He said, I've got a job to do. I'm going to go do what the Father has given me to do. And he let them bind him. Creator of all things. John says that there was not anything created that was created, except it was for him. It all belongs to him. And so we can limit the power of God in our lives. We walk around with handcuffs on when we don't need to because we put them on God too. And this is what he teaches us in his word. So I'm going to ask a question. How can we limit God? I'm going to cover four or five things here real quickly. An unwillingness in our spirit, an unwillingness to, to, to listen to God. And, Mark, and Matthew 23 and 37 said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing he said I have so much for you but you said no you see unwillingness falls on us we listen to teaching and we listen to different things that we don't allow God to come in and show us and we become unwilling Folks, America today has gotten so unwilling in the church world, in the political world, we're just coasting along. Is it going to take some bad stuff? And I'm talking about losing jobs. I'm talking about getting invaded by foreign enemies. I'm talking about not having food for supper this evening. Most of us are going out to eat today. Or you're going home and you got a big spread put out and you can't wait for the preacher to shut up so you can get there. It's 10 to 12. We'll go late anywhere else, but not after church to go eat. 
That was a stab, and I'm sorry, I'll take that back. Because of unwillingness, we don't allow God to work. He's not willing that any should perish, but anyone, um, anyone that's not willing has just put the handcuffs on God that he can't work in their life. We can be unconcerned. The Laodiceans in Revelation 3 and, uh, 3 and 20 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus wants to come into our hearts and to grow us. Where you're at now is not good enough. Everybody say that. Where I'm at now ain't good enough. No, that's right. He's wanting to grow us even more. If you think you've made it, James talks about you. If you think you're there and you've made it, he's talking about you because it says you deceive yourselves. You might be those five virgins that didn't have no lamp in their oil, oil in their lamps. And they didn't make it. Now, that's a scary thought for me. And that's a, that's a job to be able to put this word out and to tell you that. And it ain't comfortable sometimes. But many are unconcerned. The Laodiceans, they didn't think they had need of anything. We got money, we got this, we got that, got the hot water, the cold water, we mix it, we like it comfortable. You know, we're getting ready to take off to Paraguay here in a few weeks, months. It ain't going to be comfortable. Anybody that's planning on going, don't fool yourself. If you're like me, it's going a little later, but it was hot, it was miserable. But the people were precious. And the work to be done is the work that needs to be done. Hopefully this will be something that one day we might even see it on the news because people are coming in droves to Christ. We don't know what groundwork we're laying, but if you've prayed about it, you will be equipped and you'll get through it. And when you get back, you'll go like, how did I get through that? How did I do so well with that? It's because the Spirit of God was on you. He'll get you through anything you face. Now, I don't know how much God you have, but I'll tell you this. You have all of him that you want. If you don't have any more, it's because you don't want any more. That's a tough word, isn't it? You don't want more of God? Well, guess what? He's going to give you exactly what you want. He's going to hand you these, and you're going to go boo-hooing and crying someday when your world falls apart and say, God, what happened? He's going to say, well, I told Ken to tell you all this on the 22nd of January, 2017. You were sitting there. What were you listening for? We can be unreasonable. We, have, we tell people, come to church. Now, here, here's my parents drug me to church all the time, and I ain't going no more. They bathed you, didn't he? Did you quit bathing? There's Megan and Ryan at Megan's back there. Hey, Pete, you quit bathing? You're on your own now. Did you quit bathing? I want to be saved. There's just too much I have to give up. You heard that one, Brother Murphy? The only reason the stuff that God's telling you you need to give up is because it'll hurt you. That's just like saying, you know, I want to be healed, but I want to keep cancer. I mean, does that make sense? Of course not. We categorize and do that, but God's telling us these things. And here's my favorite one. Ain't just a bunch of hypocrites down there. 
You ever heard that one? Why are they hypocrites? I always ask the question, why are they hypocrites? And I probably shouldn't because I'm leading them right down the road to judgment because they're going to judge. You see what? They're just a bunch of hypocrites down there. <laughs> really? How do you know that? I think the Bible teaches us that we're not to judge, does not lest you be judged. Better leave that one alone, folks. Let a hypocrite, let God deal with them. You pray for them. And the only thing a hypocrite does is it authenticates or validates what is real. That tells you that Jesus Christ is real. That tells you that the gospel is real. That tells you that your life can be changed. That tells you that there's nothing that's too hard for him. And you don't want to go because there's a bunch of hypocrites. You got a $100 bill on you? Give me have it. Let me have it real quick. It's got mold on it. I'll let y'all settle that up after church. <laughs> oh, it's sticky. Still got the ink on it. Now, here's the thing. I asked him for that. I don't know if he had it or not, but if he didn't, I would have just went here anyway. But now I've got one for you to look at. This is the most counterfeited bill in the United States of America. Why is that? Because you get 10 of them, you got 1,000. And if this is a counterfeit when he made his basement this morning, if somebody don't catch it, probably did it last night. The ink's pretty dry yet. <laughs> but if somebody don't catch it, it's going to pass for the real thing. But it's still just as worthless as the paper it's printed on. You understand that? Don't be a counterfeit Christian. Don't got no, don't, don't, not, don't, hussy. Don't, uh, how do I say this? I feel like I'm trying to speak Spanish and I need help. Don't not go to church. Don't not go toward the Lord because there's hypocrites. Number one, she wants it back. <laughs> hey, you see what I did? I gave it to her. I'm used to it. But that's what the world says, and those are the excuses they use because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Friend, let me tell you something. If you might be sitting in that boat, you do not have the right to judge anyone. You don't know what's inside of a man's heart. That's not your call. Amen. That's his call. If you happen to think it is, and you well, the Lord spoke to me, well, then you better start praying because that's what your job is. Otherwise, you stick these on and you become one of these gossipers and you start taking stuff out there that shouldn't be and you're going to get in trouble with Jesus. I promise you that. Don't go there. We can be unreasonable. Don't want to have those conversations. Unclean living. If you harbor sin in your heart, you limit God and keep him from answering your prayers. Isaiah 59 and 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. Can I tell you what? God's everywhere. He can get to where you're at. And it don't matter how much you got to whisper, he can hear you. He'll hear what you got to say. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sin has hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I don't know what it might be. We look at, well, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't do all these things, don't do drugs, don't da 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 We got all the don'ts. 
But there's a lot of other don'ts that people don't get to see that comes in there. And those are called iniquities. They are sin. Gossiping, backbiting, slandering, doing those kinds of things are what is iniquity. And God says, I'm not going to listen to you. Now, we've got to let this soak into our spirits. And if God is talking to you this morning or talking to me this morning, the place to go is to the altar and you don't leave till it gets fixed. Because there's an enemy that's going to come with some bonds and he will bind you up and he will control you just like I did Danny a minute ago. You'll hurt when he says hurt. You won't be able to see clearly because you're in so much pain. You won't even be able to receive the truth. Because he's done come in and he's done bound you. And it takes something to get out of those bounds. And folks, that's unclean living. Yeah, okay, don't do the the big don'ts. We call them the big don'ts, but there's no difference in them. But it's those things, you know, one of the biggest ones is called unforgiveness. You remember we watched John Bevere last summer. That is so powerful. You got unforgiveness in your heart? You know what God tells you? Put your big boy pants on and forgive and move on. And, and you know what? You got unforgiveness in your heart and you got these little Christian circles that want to pat you on the back and tell you, oh, they did you wrong. Get away from them. Because there's one train car heading to hell and you'll all be riding it together. Unforgiveness is bad news. That's a good place for a good amen and a clap for Jesus. And last but not least, unbelief. Jesus was in Nazareth, and he was, born, he was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He was a carpenter's son. He built things. He went there, and Matthew 13 and 58 says, Now he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. Something ain't going on in your life. Jesus ain't working. Maybe we need to check and see if our unbelief is there because our unbelief puts the handcuffs on God, which in turn puts the handcuffs on us. And we just get through life. Can I tell you what? Whether you're saved or not, whether God's working on your half or not, the sun will come up tomorrow if time lasts. There'll be about 11 hours of sunlight in the day. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we ain't that far along. But the point is, it's going to keep going. And there are people we've watched on the news this week. It's been Life is just going on. And they don't have a care or a clue for anything. It is so sad. It is so sad. I'm going to finish off with this last scripture. And you can break this one down and preach it for two hours. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and heal their land. You see that? First of all, it's my people. You got to be saved first. It doesn't count. You're not his people. called by his name and humble themselves see humbleness says the word of God just talk to me and I'm going to be broken by it pride which comes before the fall I don't believe that I don't believe what that preacher said I heard this other well that's fine get into the word humbleness is not walking around like this praising God and having this voice here Oh, sister, we're just so sorry for everything. Sorry you're going through this. That has nothing to do with humbleness. That's what we call it. Humbleness is when God says, 
let me fix you, and you say, yes, Lord, I need that. Help me. That's what humbleness is. So don't think you can put an act on because he sees the heart. Those are the things we need, and we pray, and we seek his face. We don't seek Donald Trump's face. We don't seek nobody's face. We seek God and God alone. We're going to close out this morning with prayer. I don't want to ask you if you've been led to pray with somebody this morning, go to them right now and pray. This is out of your comfort zone. I get that. Go to them and pray. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And maybe he hadn't spoke to you yet. Well, then ask him because this is what he laid on my heart, so I'm giving it to you. One of you does it or all of you does it. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray that we get rid of these things that's holding us back, these things that we put on God. You know why? Because he created all things. So they're going to play some music for us this morning, Pastor Charlie, and spend this time in prayer. If you've got a need, share it with that person maybe. Maybe God's taking you out of your comfort zone. Now get this. He may be telling you specifically what to share and who to share it with and right now you're sitting there going there ain't no way I'm doing that and he might be telling you this is the only way I'm going to work you ever get that yeah you get that oh no they're going to have it all over the TV and the news no not if he said do it that way he'll take care of it do you trust him that's the question our Lord who walked on water our Lord who was resurrected from the dead who is all powerful don't bind him with those handcuffs of unbelief and say, you know what, I'm ashamed. I'm just going to sit right here. You can just come on up here and let me stick them handcuffs on you and wear them the rest of the day. I'll take them off of you next week. You understand what I'm talking about? Let's all stand to our feet and let's be in prayer.